God has a magnificent way of illuminating truth through illustration. One illustration that is found over and over in the New Testament in speaking about the Christian life is to compare it to an athletic event, namely a race. Now, when we really start to study all of the implications of that, it illuminates some great truths that I believe can help us to stay faithful unto the things of God, if we'll give ear unto them, that is. Join us today as we present the message, The Only Race That Matters. Verse number 24, the Bible says this, it says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run. Not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body, and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we seek your face, Lord, this hour. Lord, we ask you, God, just to visit the hearts of your people. God, I ask you, Lord, for those that know not you and the free pardon of sin, Lord, that you help them to see hellfire this hour. God, I pray, Lord, you make it real to them, that eternal place that knows no end for all of those that die outside of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray, God, that you kindle that fire in their mind. God, that they'll turn unto you for salvation. And God, I'm so thankful that I'm not one of them. And God, it's not by my merit, Lord, but by your grace wherein I stand. But God, I pray, Lord, for another kindling of another fire for those that do know you. God, I ask you, Lord, that you kindle the Holy Ghost fire, Lord, in the hearts of your people. God, I ask you, Lord, that you help us to set aside everything Set it out of our sight, out of our midst. Lord, let not Satan take away the blessings and the instruction that you have for us today. God, I ask you, Lord, that you help me not to be a funnel for your word. God, help me not to hinder it from going forth or to obstruct it from accomplishing that which you desire. God, but I pray, Lord, you help me to be a vessel. That these people not see me and all the faults that I bring to them. God, but they see you, Lord, high and lifted up. God, I ask you, Lord, just to visit your children today. Show yourself, Lord, to the lost, and bless us with understanding. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, I want to expound for a little bit on this illustration in which you see Paul giving that of likening the Christian life unto running a race. It's an illustration that he uses and is, is used throughout Scripture many times over. 
in this scripture, he is speaking of that the Christian must be disciplined and goal-oriented and must subdue the flesh in order to run that race well. But he also, in Galatians 2 and Philippians 2.16, he speaks of running the race in vain. He speaks in Galatians 5.7 of, of uh, stumbling blocks that may get in our way. He speaks of pressing toward the prize in Philippians 3.14. And the writer of Hebrews in 12.1 speaks of laying aside all the weights and those things that beset us and running with patience the race that is set before us. So the theme and the illustration that is given here is one that is given over and over and over and I believe that is for a purpose. It is a good illustration. And in today's message, I'm going to give you multiple illustrations that I hope really drive um, truth home to your heart. And as I said, I, 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 I pray that you have set aside everything that is in your mind and just seek the Lord's face for what He has for you today. I don't believe you're here by accident. I don't believe that you're here... Uh, out of happenstance, I believe it's God-ordained. And you see, God knows the beginning from the end. God knew yesterday who would be sitting in these pews today. And I want you to know God has something for you. I have prayed for you that you will be blessed by the message today that will give you some help in understanding exactly where you are as a Christian and where you're not or where you are as a lost person. And so this morning, we're going to look at this race, this Christian race that Paul has spoken of many times, that is written of so many times, and uh, we'll give you this message titled, The Only Race That Matters. The Only Race That Matters. And then so speaking of this Christian race, the first thing that I want you to note is that is, it is not a spontaneous event. It is not a spontaneous event. It's not something that just happened out of a whim. It is something, if you are entered into this event, if you are in the Christian race, it was something that is carefully considered. Carefully considered. If you are born again today, you considered your righteousness. You considered exactly where you were in this life. You know, the Scripture speaks of the righteousness of man. It says in Romans 3.10, it says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. You know, that includes you. Amen. There is none righteous, no, not one. Jew, Gentile, they're all alike. Verse number 11, there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way. They're all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. 1 John 1, 8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And so if you are entered into this Christian race, you have considered your righteousness. And that is that you have none. Secondly, if you're in this Christian race, you have considered God's righteousness. Because, listen, church, our righteousness and God's righteousness are two different things. All too often we look upon people as if they are righteous people. But when God looks upon man, he sees sin. And then you must consider that he demands justice. Psalms 89.14 says, Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. 
God's righteousness demands justice and it demands punish, uh, punishment. Ezekiel 18.4 says, Behold, all souls are mine, uh, mine as the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the, Son of, uh, of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Romans 6.23 starts off by saying, For the wages of sin is death. And so if you've entered this race, how many of you have been born again? Say amen. Okay, I'm talking to you right now. If you've entered this race, you've considered just how righteous you are, and then you've turned around and considered what God considers to be righteous, and you see that His righteousness demands justice be meted and that punishment be given out to all who sin. But I'm glad when we look at Romans 6.23, it doesn't just say, for the wages of sin is death. I'm glad there's not a period at the end of that, but it continues on. Romans 6.23 in its entirety says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so if you've entered this event, this Christian race, you've considered just how righteous you are, which is that you have none. You've considered God's demands for righteousness, which we cannot attain. Why? Because we are all sinners. And then you consider the fact that Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Then you consider the fact that Jesus paid our sin. Jesus paid the punishment that was due you and I. He went to the cross of Calvary. You might have considered John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so if you've entered this event, you've considered those things. And then, but it doesn't stop there. You have consciously entered this race. Consciously entered this race. Those that are in the Christian race, uh, there, there was no draft for you. Amen? God did not force you to enlist. It's one that you chose of your own free will. It's an event that there is no rejections to. Amen? I'm glad that we have a whosoever gospel today. And if you cannot honestly say, yes, preacher, I've entered that race, I'm going to tell you what, you can today. You can today. This gospel that I am preaching is open to all. It is an event where there is no litmus test. The only stipulation for entering the event is that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Period, end of sentence. Put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, in His death, in His burial, and His resurrection. And so we see that this event that I'm talking about, it's not a spontaneous event. The Bible says in John 3, 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Now, I want to pause here for a moment. Now, I'm speaking about running the Christian race today. But all too often to so many people, the Christian race is simply a get-out-of-hell card. Amen, preacher. It is, simply, it is simply that we have trusted in Jesus Christ. We do not have to fear hellfire now. And so, therefore, I'm okay and I'm done. Listen, that is not the way this race works. I'm glad that I have a heavenly home. But I'm glad that I've got a help while I'm here, church. God doesn't just care about your salvation. He cares about your here and now. 
And so this event that we're talking about, this Christian event, it's not a spontaneous event. If you have been born again, you entered of your own free will, and there you are on the track. That's where you're at. It's not a spontaneous event, and uh, it is not a spectator sport. Participation is mandatory. You don't have the option of going up in the bleachers, sitting down, and watching everyone else run this race. Do you understand that? You, simply by being born again, have entered that race. You've got your ticket, you're placed upon the track, and that's where you're at. You cannot opt out of the participation of this race. That being said, your success in this race is optional. Your, your success is optional. How well you run this race is completely up to you. Completely up to you. When I think of a race, many of you, I'm sure, will join me in this vision. I envision Olympic runners. I don't, en I don't envision preachers and deacons. We'll get to that in a little bit. But I envision Olympic runners. Man, I envision them running and striving beautifully with all their might, going around that track. Beautiful sight, right? It's literally a beautiful sight when you see those, those Olympic runners racing for that prize. And that is the way I would love to envision the Christians running the race. But I think it would more resemble an epic battle between turtles, sloths, and snails. Amen, preacher. If you were actually viewing most Christians run that race that they have entered in, that there is no option or alternative to get out, you can't go up in the stands and watch others do it. You're on that track. Turtles, slothsons. For the most part. Or, 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 it could be that you have, instead of, all of them running around that track and racing. You've got one running through the infield. You've got one going the opposite way. You've got one zigzagging all over the track. And then you have a bunch of them just standing there. A cacophony of mess. Can you imagine? Can you imagine going to the Olympics? And seeing all of these athletes who have been given everything to succeed in this great race, and the gun sounds, and that happens on the track. What a mess. What a mess. People on their phone, some picking their nose. Right? Can you imagine? How, how awful would that sight be? How awful would that sight be? How awful would it be to watch? I kind of think I wonder if that's what God sees. 
when he looks at his children. The one's man in who he has given everything. He has blessed with everything. I mean, the wisdom's there if you like it, ask of him. He has given you salvation. If he's given you salvation, he's given you testimony. He's given you really everything to succeed, just like Olympic athletes. They have been given whatever they need to succeed, whether it's performance enhancing drugs or whatever. Now listen, they've been given everything there is to succeed. What, a, what, what an awful sight it would be to watch a mess like that. Church, the Christian race ought not to be. It ought to be different than that. Your success in running the Christian race is optional. But you can't get off the track. I hope you understand that. You can't just opt out. That's your status. So let me ask you this. As God looks down upon you, and you are running your race, what does he see? Does he see you beautifully striving with all your might toward that prize? Or does he see you standing still and kicking kicking rocks around the dirt? Or does he see you all over the place, man, zigzagging, lane after lane? And or does he see you doing that, uh, the, the grandma walk? Y'all seen that, right? That's where they're walking, but they're pumping their arms real like they're going real fast. But they're really not going that, that fast. I mean, what is it? What is it God sees when he looks upon you? I ask myself that. That's a very sobering thought, church. I think if you look at it in that respect, as you have an audience, and you're not just in, you weren't given a ticket to the race to sit and watch everybody else do it, but you've been placed upon that track, how is your race looking right now? How is it looking? As many of you know, during our picnic, we had a race. Uh, Brother Jim, Brother Jeff, y'all raise your hands. It was myself, Brother Jim, Brother Jeff. We, we raced. 40-yard dash. It seemed like a hundred-yard dash to me, but we ran. I got to be honest with you. Let me be honest with you, man. I didn't get a very good start. <laughs> but I didn't get a very good start, but I ran. And I can tell you, it, it, I, don't, I don't have to tell you this. It's pretty obvious that if you look at me, I'm not in the best shape of my life. Probably in the biggest shape of my life or close to it, but I'm not in the best shape. Of, I'm not really, I've not really taken care of what God has given me. But I ran. I was winded, right? 
especially the second time. I was winded. I was struggling. But I ran. Y'all can laugh if you want to. And I'm, you know, it's just lighthearted in a sense. But the fact of the matter is, I ran. And there was a whole bunch of people standing watching. Okay? Now, had you been asked, many of you might have said, well, yeah, I'll run. Yeah, let's do it. But I, I figure many, if not most, would have said, not for me. I didn't wear the right shoes. I got a cramp. You understand what I'm saying? And so you've got, you've got people that are willing to run. Now I want you to know, in my Christian life, it's much the same. You know, I, I said I didn't get a good start. In my Christian life, I, I mean, I got a pretty good start. There's been times in my Christian walk where I've stumbled. There's been times in my, in my Christian walk where I have not taken care of the things that God has given me to the best of my abilities, and it hindered me. There's been times in my Christian walk where I'm running and I'm running and I'm getting so winded because all of the weight of the, these things in this world is weighing me down. And it'd be very easy to get up and quit and watch others. I'll tell you what, when I see the face of Jesus, when I look upon His face, and I may struggle, I may have stumbled along the way, I may, I may not have even got that great a start, but I want to look at him and say, well, I ran. I ran. I think there's a lesson to be found there. This Christian race in which we are speaking of, it is not a spectator sport. It cannot be. You do not have that option. And so are you running or are you watching? Are you striving for the prize set before us? Or are you all over the place? Or are you going in the opposite direction? I mean, there's just so many things you could be doing. I'll answer for me. And I'll answer for what I have instructed you. But you'll answer for you. What will you say when you see him? Will he be finding you? Will he find you running? It's not a. And I go back to that first point. It's not a spontaneous event. You entered this race. You weighed the options of whether you were going to live your life and die and go to hell or trust in the Lord Jesus. And I want you to understand when you did that, you were bought with a price. You are not your own. You were bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You are in that race. So you weighed those options. That's where you're at. It's not a spontaneous, it, it didn't just happen. God didn't force you to escape hell through his sacrifice. Something you chose. And because you chose it, you're out on that track. You're not in the stands. You're not watching everybody else. God will not judge you. He will not put you up against me. 
He will not put you up against your neighbor. He will not judge you according to what somebody else did. He's going to judge you righteously with what you have done with what he has given you. That's what's going to happen. It's not a spontaneous event. It's not a spectator sport. And it's, it's not a secret event. It's not secret event. Now, I said that it is not a spectator sport in that you, you do not have the option of sitting there watching others, but I want you to understand emphatically that others are watching you. Others are watching you. And that can work one of two ways. It can either inspire others. I thought about that. You know, we're talking about sports here and... Uh, you, Really, in anything in life, in anything in life, what you do can inspire others. I jotted a few things down. I mean, some will watch Tom Brady win 600 Super Bowls, and they'll be inspired to be a quarterback. They'll want that. They'll want the supermodel wife and the money that all that entails. Some will watch Brad Paisley play at the Grand Old Opry, and they'll desire to get a guitar and sing. It'll inspire them to do that. Some will watch uh, Bruce Jenner back in the 70s and be inspired to be a decathlete. Some will look at Bruce Jenner today and be inspired to vomit. Amen. And so what we do can inspire people. And a great servant of God sold out to the things of God. Putting all flesh and fleshly desires aside and, and, and just stand before him and say, Here I am, Lord. Here I am. Send me. Use me. Whatever it is you could have me to do, I'm here and I'm willing to be your servant. You have few of those people, but I'm telling you, that can inspire folks too. And if you're running that race, that Christian race, and people see you striving with all your might, they see the sweat trickling down, they see, they see that energy and that passion and that desire and that devotion moving for a purpose, it can inspire people. We are blessed in having all kinds of little ones around here. Amen. We're blessed with that. A lot of churches ain't got that. But I want you to know them little eyes are watching. Especially mommies and daddies. Understand that. Listen, these little eyes. You speak more with your actions than you'll ever will with your words. And I, as a pastor, man, I could stand up here and I could say, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this. But if you don't witness that in my life, man, it falls on deaf ears. But understand this, church, from, from this side to that side, it's not just little eyes that are watching. It's every eye. And, man, you can be an inspiration we are to exhort one another. We are to uplift. You have that ability. Every soul in here has that ability to inspire others. On the other hand, 
you can, it can be used to inspire some, and then it can be used to expire others. What I mean by that is the manner in which you run your race can literally send people to hell. Absolutely can. I spoke about Bruce Jenner a moment ago. I will not call him by another name. I'll just go ahead. I'm sure that if he knew me, he'd probably have some names for me. <laughs> I'll just go ahead and call him what his mommy and daddy called him, Bruce. Amen. And while I'm sure, and I have no doubt, that the great athlete he was back in the 70s, he inspired people. But make no mistake, he is inspiring people today as well. He is inspiring people, but not in a good way. He is inspiring people to live their truth. He is inspiring people to live a lie. Amen? That is his inspiration. Now, once you know, that doesn't just hold true for sodomites or cross-dressers or transvestites or whatever they call themselves. That doesn't just hold true for them. It holds true for every one of us, especially the Christian body. We can inspire people in the, in the cause of Christ, or, we can, or they can see us fiddle-farting around on that track, and they say, that's the God they serve? No, thank you. No, thank you. They ought to see a difference in Christians. Amen? They ought to see a difference in us. It's not a secret event. It's not a spontaneous event. It's not a spectator sport. And then lastly here, I want to uh, get to this point, and that is, it is a significant race with substantial consequences. Verse number 25 of our scripture. Verse number 25, it says, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it for an, uh, to obtain a corruptible crown but we in incorruptible. This race, this Christian race that we are in, is a significant race with substantial consequences. And I say this emphatically. All other sport is meaningless. Meaningless. In the eternal scope of things. Now, I know, I, know, I know what people say. Well, sports teaches discipline. It teaches going for goals. It teaches this. It teaches, so does a lot of other things. So does a lot of other things. But in the grand scheme of things, the results of every other sport is absolutely meaningless. And I'm saying this to you for a purpose. I want you to understand that one thing that was impressed upon me when I came to this place is that sports is an idol in this community. And I know I'm not getting a lot of amens, but that's all right. The truth is still the truth. It is the golden calf in this community. But I want you to understand that all of this other junk is meaningless in the grand scheme of eternity. But this race matters. This race means something eternal. I want to play through a little scenario here with you, speaking of these children in sports. Most kids, 
And I know I was involved with sports for many years. Most kids will play elementary sports, right? Most of them will go out. What's the, what, what's the, what's the result? I mean, they're, they can be on a team. Oftentimes they get that participation trophy. I don't know if y'all do that up here. We did that down there. Everybody gets a little trophy, right? Get a participation trophy. Get, say, get your picture. Get your picture. That's about it. It's about the best it's going to offer. And then you have some from the elementary age that will move up to the uh, middle school age. They'll go to middle school sports. And not all of them, but, but some of them. And they'll go up to middle school sports. And they'll, uh, they'll strive there for corruptible crowns. And let's just be honest. Nobody really cares about middle school sports except for middle school people. You don't, you, you don't, have, them, you don't, you don't have anybody racing to, uh, you know, do all sorts of stuff for that. And so what, what, what is the end result? Well, they get trophies and, and, and they get to uh, participate in these things. And maybe if they're really, you know, good at it, they can become friends with all the popular people. Like that's something important. Let me tell you what, Jesus is not popular. I'll just go ahead and stick with him. Amen. Our community, Jesus is not popular. I'll hang out with the uncool kids. But man, if they're really good, then they move up to the high school. That's where, that's where the attention is, right? The high school sports. That's where it's all about. That's where you get your picture in the paper. That's where you get the recognition. But let's really study on this for a minute. What eternal value does it hold? State championship trophy. Corruptible crown. Individual awards. Corruptible crown. There's such an emphasis on all these sports that really, in the grand scheme of things, don't mean anything eternal. They don't. Oh, but listen, you don't know about my kid. My kid is really good, right? My kid is the best. You ought to see little Johnny out there. Man, he, he runs, he tackles, he's the best. And so he's going to go on beyond high school. He's going to go on to college. He's going to go on to the NFL. He will be Tom Brady in 20 years. That's the mentality of most parents and the youth because uh, that, that I've experienced it, amen? That's what it is. I've got stories, but I'll not share them right now. But so let's, so let's say, man, he's got the goods and he's going to go on to play college ball. Let me give you a little statistic, church, a little statistic. And that is the NCAA counts the overall percentage of high school players who will play in college at 6.9%. And the probability of playing in Division I at 2.7%. And the chances from that 2.7% playing D1 ball that uh, of all high school players, of that 2.7%, only 1.6% uh, are going to go to the NFL. So the odds of your kid playing even in the one ball, much less the NFL, are slim to none. And what are you trading it for? 
But you don't understand my kid preacher, man. He is the best they have ever seen. He's going places. He's going to NFL. He's going to win that Lombardi trophy. Corruptible crown. Corruptible crown. He'll win MVP. Corruptible crown. You know what Jesus said? Well, let me just say this. So what if he did? So what? No one cares next year. Jesus said, what doth it profit a man if he gain the whole world, yet lose his soul? What shall a man give in exchange for a soul? I'll dare say that I would not win however many Lombardi trophies and MVPs that Tom Brady has for my soul. Not worth it. Not worth it. The fame of this world is not worth it. And so what are we doing? What are we talking about? What are we talking about? We're talking about putting corruptible crowns in front of the incorruptible crowns. We're talking about telling our children that this race that is for all aspects eternally unimportant is more important than the Christian race. I hope you're getting what I'm saying. Some, some will then say, well, you know, I don't have to worry about him losing his soul, preacher. You tell him we have eternal security, right? Thank God we do. Thank God we do. I don't have to worry about my kid losing his soul. If he goes to the NFL, he goes to the NFL, that's great. Um, or if, uh, you know, she's world-class gymnastics. I, I, boys, girls, not just football, all sports. That's what I'm talking about. Well, I don't have to worry about them losing their soul. They're saved. They're going to go to heaven. Let me ask you this. Is that really all there is to the Christian life? Going to heaven. Because I can tell you, that, that's shallow Christianity. That is shallow Christianity. That is not what this race is about. This race in which we are in means something. It means something far more valuable than anything that you could ever put before. I had stated at the outset of this that this is the only race that truly matters. This race has real consequence. Verse number 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all? but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. You know what he's saying here? He says run this race as if it means something, because it does. Run this race uh, with purpose, because there is. Run as if you have something to gain, because you do. How this race, how you run this race, the Christian race, not anything else, but how you run this race doesn't just determine your future uh, um, prizes and your crowns. It determines what happens to others. Why? Because they're watching us. Tell me, 
If I did not stumble in my walk, go whore around on my wife or something, tell me that would not hurt you in your Why? Because what I do not only matters to me, it matters to you. Church, but understand this emphatically, what you do doesn't just impact you. It impacts your babies. It impacts your brothers and sisters in Christ. It impacts me. As Christians, man, we're in this together. So run. Not as one that beateth the air. So fight. We need, as Christians, to have a proper perspective of where we are at and what God's expectations for us is. We need that. It's important. I hope you can see that. How many of you would be honest and say, Preacher, I'm not running the race that God expects me to run? My challenge to you is simple. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? I will pray for you. I will pray for you. Spiritually. And this is spiritually what my wife does for me in the mornings. My wife comes to me in the mornings... Early in the morning, she wakes me up. She says, honey, get out of bed. Let's go walk. She prods me. She encourages me. She does these things for me, but I want you to know emphatically that I am the one that has to get out of the bed, get my clothes on, put my shoes on, and go walk. Now, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm spiritually going to do for you what my wife does for me physically. But you have to make that decision. You have to be the one to say, all right, I'm getting up. I'm not sitting here anymore. I'm not going to be stagnant. People are depending on me. I'm going to run that race that you've set before me. You've got to do that. You have to make that decision to do that. It all starts there. You have to make that decision to do it.